Today is a new Faithful Everyday Mom interview who also happens to be a great author, too. We are going to be talking about how to identify and attack those ugly, you're not enough thoughts or tendency to overworry thoughts that like to live rent-free in our minds as moms and seeing what God's Word has to say about this. So lean in and join us today. Welcome to the Faithful 31 Moms podcast. Wherever you find yourself today, multitasking or just trying to catch a quiet moment alone, I'm so glad you're here as we learn together how to live out our faith and point our kids to Jesus. Please don't forget to hit the add or subscribe button today so you will always be notified about new upcoming episodes. Faithful 31 Moms is a part of the Love Worth Finding Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mallory Allen. Hey friends, I want to introduce you to our Faithful Everyday Mom interview for today, Rachel Elmore. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm excited that you're here too. Uh, She and I got connected through a friend of mine from college, actually, and she connected us through email and then we spoke on the phone and she's in North Carolina and I'm in Tennessee. So that's kind of how we had to meet. But I knew instantly that I had to have her on the podcast. So just a little bit about her real quick. She is a mom of two boys, so we have that in common. And she's a wife, and she's a licensed mental health counselor and a Jesus lover. So I was so excited to get her to come on today to talk to us. Um, She specializes specifically in treating postpartum depression and anxiety. So she talks to a lot of mamas. And so I wanted to have her share with us, um, being a mom herself, she told me, didn't you experience firsthand postpartum depression pretty severely, right? I did. I did with my first son. I um, I was already a licensed therapist and I got hit pretty hard with some postpartum and walked that road myself. That, in, I mean, you took what you had to learn, I guess. And that was probably hard being a, like a professional yourself, a counselor. And she's a powerhouse, y'all. She just decided there's not a resource out there a Christian and clinical resource out there. So I'm going to write it. And she wrote a book called A Mom is Born. And I ordered it. I have to say, it's great. I wish I would have had it nine and a half years ago (laughs) when I needed it most. But um, I'm going to let her share more about that later on the podcast and how you can get a hold of one of those for yourself or maybe for a friend. But let's get to know Rachel a little bit better with some fun, quick questions. So, Rachel, how do you have your quiet time with Jesus? Every mom seems to have a different answer in different seasons, so... Well, yeah, it's definitely changed when my when my babies were little and toddlers and I could barely hold my eyes open to read. I would just listen to scripture. I don't know. A lot of people don't realize that the free Bible app has free audio versions where if there's a little press play button and you can pick which dialect you want to hear. And there's a, there's a guy that has a British accent and I found it very soothing to just listen to scripture. And even if I just let like, even if I started to doze off while feeding my babies, I figured at least I was feeding myself some of the word of God. And so, and that sounds, I feel bad. Like during that season, I was like, Lord, this is all I've got. And I really had this overwhelming sense of, he's like, it's okay. Just keep trying, decide to try. And then as my kids have gotten a little bit older, it's gotten easier to do a Bible study or two. I have a neighborhood Bible study that we um, we have a daily study and it just changes. Sometimes we did a summer study this summer of this, the book of James. And so I 
sometimes it's organized and sometimes it's not. And it just depends on the season. But I just want to encourage everyone listening, if all you can do is just click on that Bible app and just press play, that that's a good start. And sometimes with my prayer life, it just starts with, hey, God, because as an exhausted mama, sometimes that's all I've got. And so my goal has always been to keep the line of communication open between me and the Lord, no matter how tired or frustrated or honestly, like kind of mad at God I've been over the years over what we were going through. I feel like as a mom now, I I feel like I almost like text message God all day long. We have conversations just kind of all day. And so I, between every client I see, I pray. And it's sometimes a five minute prayer, but I'm like, Lord, help me, guide me, give me wisdom. Let me see you today. And just trying to encourage every mom. It doesn't have to be a fill in the blank three hour a week. You know, like it can be these short studies. It really ebbs and flows, Mallory, for me. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That's great practical advice from lots of different points of view that any mom might be at listening. So that's really great. Another question I love to hear the answer to is what is one thing that makes you feel like an everyday ordinary mom just on the typical day I've get I've gotten so many funny answers on this one <laughs> like dry shampoo and a messy minivan whatever it may be what is the thing that comes to mind when you hear I'm just an everyday mom there are scuffs all over my walls and <laughs> They're they're only up to like my waist level. I'm pretty tall. I'm about five foot eleven. And so there are just scuffs. You know, they're pretty small, but you know, we freshly repainted the inside of our house a couple of years ago. And pretty much up to my waist, there's a scuff here and there throughout my house. And it definitely, and you know, it's just kids being kids. They're not being destructive, but you know, they they they're playing sword fighting in the hallway. And so there's little scuffs everywhere. And it's definitely something I've had to let go. I remember wanting to repaint every time, but then I've just kind of left it because I just think scars are really beautiful. And I think that it just shows that my my hallways are just full of so much love and joy. And someday I'll have um, really clean, perfect walls in my house. But man, that that drips with motherhood. Am I right? Yeah. And then you'll have grandkids and it'll all go away. I have boys too. Yeah. They're always wrestling or doing something. So I identify with that (laughs) for sure. So I have to say this about you, Rachel. I didn't tell you I was going to share this, but I took notes when we talked the first time. And Mm -hmm. when we were speaking on the phone, you said something to me, and I just really feel like this will kind of completely let the listeners know your heart. But you said this to me. You said, motherhood is a holy calling. You're helping them when they're sick. You're helping them in the little things because it all matters. And I want moms to believe that they are good moms. You said that my favorite part was that you said this, bad moms don't take the time to care about whether or not they're doing a good job. So if you are trying to improve and you're you're trying to do better and you're trying to ask for help, then you're not a bad mom. You're a good mom. You're just trying to improve. That's so true. So... With the moms that are listening and myself, um, I think I'm going to ask the question that we'd all like to know the answer to, but not sure that we can ask. What is the number one reason that women come to sit on the couch across from you during counseling? Like, what's the number one reason that moms come to see you? The number one reason that I get that first phone call or email is definitely some sort of anxiety. 
And the mom may not name it as anxiety, but that she's just feeling anxious and that anxiety and those thoughts that are swirling around her head and the mom guilt. And it's just, it all comes together in this perfect, ugly storm. So that anxiety and just not feeling like enough, that is definitely the reason that they sit in front of me. And I remember a client many years ago, dear, sweet, sweet, adore her client came in and just told me that she couldn't sleep when her baby was sleeping because she just had all these anxious thoughts about um, something bad happening to her baby. And she was also having some intrusive thoughts as well that were spurning, which we're going to talk about today, that spurned on the anxiety or triggered the anxiety. And so she just was like, I can't sleep. Like that was her first reason. And I was like, oh my goodness, like not only can you not sleep when the baby's awake, but when the baby's asleep, which by the way, guys, I was not good at sleeping when the baby slept. I wasn't good at that. I can't fall asleep easily. I'm not gifted in that way. But she was so desperate for those thoughts to stop. And let me tell you, and I would love Mallory to be like, I am the best counselor. And it was all me. It wasn't me. It's never me. It's Jesus. And it's the mom across from me, picking up the tool belt, putting it on, picking up the tools that I give her and using them. And then God reveals his hard and holy work through her. And so it was so such, I mean, I have the coolest job watching her get better. And she did. She did get better. She started sleeping. She wasn't having those obsessive, intrusive thoughts. And, you know, just the, I don't want to say the magic, but I do want to say the miracle that comes in the beautiful psychology and the beautiful truth of the word of God and what he's given us and being able to sit across from that. I'm pretty stoked. And I could talk about it all day, obviously. (laughs) I love that. I can hear the passion coming through the mic. That's amazing. So I said this at the beginning about your book. It's called A Mama's Born, but I picked it up off Amazon and it's great. There's a specifically, though, a chapter, I think it's chapter eight, and it talks about ugly thoughts living rent free. I love all the titles of your chapters, by the way. They're super great. I love how creative they are. But this chapter is called Ugly Thoughts Living Rent Free, and you shared that At the time, you were actually seeing a counselor yourself walking through some grief, and she surprised you by interrupting you um, because I don't think that's like that's like a no, no, right, for counselors Uh to typically do. (laughs) And she stopped you and she said, Rachel, you've got to stop. That's an intrusive thought. Is that a thought that is helpful to you or hurtful to you? And you went on to explain in that chapter about intrusive and anxious and ugly thoughts that are living rent-free in our minds. And I feel like a lot of moms can identify with that, both walking through postpartum and just in general. So can you explain to us what intrusive thoughts are and some ways that we might be struggling with these as moms even might, if we don't even realize it potentially? The National Science Foundation and most psychology, most studies have estimated that all human beings at some point or another have had intrusive thoughts. And so it's not just moms. It's not just moms with postpartum. This podcast, my book is for all mamas in all seasons. I'm realizing how much, you know, I started with postpartum, but then the book became so much bigger than just that because I just realized all moms struggle and all moms need this support. So if all human beings have had an intrusive thought or, or eight or 10 in their lifetime, if not more, We know that everyone listening can benefit from this, but let me talk a little bit about what they are. So an intrusive thought, they are unwanted, harmful thoughts. They are, again, unwanted. They are sometimes a thought about a thought that pops in your head about harm coming to someone that you never in a million years would harm. 
uh, about even, I don't want to be triggering, but like running your car off the road, you know, some of those kinds of things. I will not name specific ones for mothers because I don't want to be triggering, but I do want to say they are ugly and they can be very, very disturbing. I had some pretty bad intrusive thoughts. And the thing was, I was so deep in my postpartum, my baby blues that I didn't, wasn't able to look at those and name them and say, I don't want to do these things. These are unwanted thoughts that pop into your head. And so as I was, you know, I learned all this in graduate school, but going back and writing the book, which took me two and a half years after living this for 10 years, by the way, and treating it for 10 years, that we have between 12 and 60,000 thoughts a day is what they estimate. And about 95 to 96% of them are involuntary. So they're thoughts that just kind of pop in our head, kind of like a stranger walking by the front of our house. I always like to say, look, someone walks by the front of your house. It doesn't mean you chose it. And it doesn't mean that you're inviting them to come in and move in and you're not going to serve them supper. And so with that, that's an intrusive thought. And so I use the example because I didn't want to trigger moms in the book of I was having a hard and ugly thought of after losing my grandmother, who was a very big part of my life. I was having thoughts of after she passed away, just what was happening to her earthly shell. And I know that's, again, an ugly thought, but saying that to my therapist and her leaning forward and she touched my knee and she said, Rachel, you've got to stop. Because the more I kept thinking about that thought, the more damage that it was bringing to me. There was nothing good or holy or there was nothing good about me focusing on that. She is with Jesus right now in his name. She is in glory right now. And so realizing being able to be set free from having to think such an ugly thought and that's just one example, because I don't, again, like for me to list intrusive thoughts that mothers have told me can be quite triggering. And I don't want to do that on a podcast for sure to all the beautiful mamas listening. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But I mean, yeah, I can think of I can think of times that I've had thoughts just specifically about kids and worrying about their health when they just have a simple cold and you go like to the extreme, you know, of what they have, the COVID oh, scare, yeah. or, you know, there's many others, like you said, it's not good to, to name them, but we've all had them, you know, about various things. And so I definitely think that what's coming next is super important. So later in the chapter, you have three steps that you share. So you're just getting a little bitty snippet of her book here on the podcast. You'll have to check out the rest, but there's three steps of identifying these thoughts that are crippling to us. They make us worry. They make us anxious. They give us these ugly thoughts we don't need to have. And you use the verse Philippians 4, 8 to do it in the first step, um, which I loved. I thought it was so good. So will you um, share with us how you use this scripture, how it applies and kind of how these three steps work? So, you know, step one is, so we, we have the thought walks by us and we didn't choose it. And so we start to evaluate the thought before we let it move in, before it takes up residence in our hearts. Okay. And so Philippians 4, 8. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so I, and I still feel that this is one of the best moments of psychology in the Bible where we can say, this is how God has commanded us to think. And look, guys, we can't, we can't always choose the thoughts that pop in our head. We can't. Okay. And again, 
like 95% of our thoughts are involuntary. We don't want to think them, but we can sometimes choose deciding to dwell on them and thinking about them over and over again. And so I kind of, oh, I didn't, I, I, in my book, I have a table where we go through an exercise to say, let's go ahead and deal with this. So is this thought true? Is it noble? Is it righteous, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? And so like, if we go back to my original thought, and I hope this isn't too hard, but it's a really great example. Is it true that my grandmother's earthly shell doesn't look like what it used to? Yes, it is true. But is that thought noble? Absolutely not. Is it righteous? And so something righteous is something that that echoes the word of God, that facilitates hope, that is it something that is righteous to, for me to be thinking about this? Absolutely not. Is is it admirable for me to be focusing on this? No. Is it excellent or praiseworthy? And it was interesting reading about the Greek words there. They talk about literally what they mean in those two words was literally putting something on like a marble pedestal to like look at it. And that image was so powerful for me, Mallory, because I was like, um, no, God does not want me putting this horrible, disturbing thought on this. Like I, I think about like Rome, like a, one of these big, beautiful like pedestals to look at. No, she is with the Lord. Like that's what I need to focus on because that's also what is true, which comes back to thought number one, because what is true is she's in glory with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And she is, I think, when I know, having a grand old time, and I can't wait to hug her again. That's awesome. I love that. When I um, was going through some anxiety at a time in my life, I remember someone said, you have to take your thoughts captive. And literally sometimes just like I had someone say, if you have to just literally like swipe your hand in front of your forehead and be like, get out of my head and just kind of throw it away like that, just as like a representation of, you know, taking your thoughts captive because they're not true. They don't have to live there rent free, as you called it. Um, it was so helpful. It was just something very small and tiny that someone said to me, but it meant a lot to me. It was significant in walking through that. And so um, I love that. I love using that scripture. I've heard lots of different scriptures used to kind of combat anxiety, but um, not that one. And so when you break it down in your book, it's just really, really powerful. But what are the other the other two steps that you shared? Yeah. And so, you know, after we evaluate the thought and we with that verse and we kind of decide, is this something God wants us to think about and to focus on? We talk about step two is kind of our eviction notice is when we kind of walk forward with recognizing how to actually deal with them. And so when we go with that, we start to make a decision, kind of like you said, like grab, like if you can picture grabbing that thought and throwing it away, we can say no thank you to these thoughts. And sometimes it helps. I talk about in this chapter, sometimes it helps to acknowledge what that thought might be trying to do. I know we're not going to personify the thought, but maybe maybe in my mind, for example, like believing that I'm a bad mom might motivate me to be a better mom, but it doesn't do that. And so we're doing the biblical perspective, but then step two, we're going through and saying, okay, what is this thought trying to do? Because is it trying to make me a better mom? Because that thought doesn't make me a better mom. But what does make me a better mom is... I am cut out to be a mom because God says so, and he's going to sustain me. That was one of my favorite ones. So replacing the garbage thought with truth and thinking that new thought every time the bad one pops in, being like, just like I said, 
I don't need to think about my grandmother's earthly shell. I need to think about her being in glory. So this this is just the psychology of we replace the bad with the good and the good takes over. And guys, anyone listening is going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Okay, yeah, it does, because of how our brains are wired and we've learned a lot about this even in the last five, five or six years, it does, it's like a, a muscle that we strengthen to get it there. It's like we have to push it to get it there. And so again and again, we strengthen that muscle by putting the truth in the place of the lie. So that's step two. I mean, obviously there's a chapter on this. I'm trying to, I'm like, when I was reviewing my notes earlier, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to get this down where I'm not like rambling. And then step three is how do we kick it to the curb? And with that, I have a challenge that comes here is after we've replaced the old thought, we've evaluated step one, step two, we've replaced the garbage with the true thought, right? And number three, we kick it to the curb. And so with that, we write it down on a piece of paper, and then we very safely dispose of it. You know, I liked, I burned mine very safely, you know, over like, with like plenty of, uh, over actually a metal sink, I like took a match and burned mine. Obviously, we want to be very safe, think careful. You can tear yours up on a piece of paper. You can, um, you can bury it. You can do whatever you need to do. But as you do that, and as you hold that thought in your hand before you get rid of it, I want you to say a prayer. And this was mine. God, this thought is not true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, or praiseworthy. I believe your word when it says to not think on these things. I have demanded evidence and I've not found evidence for this harmful thought to need to exist in my heart. So Father, help me let this go. When this thought comes into my mind, help me choose the one thought that is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, or praiseworthy. And Lord, give me the strength to tell this thought to go away again and again. These words, friendo, (laughs) these words are, are everything. And I've seen this work in front of me hundreds of times on the couch right behind me. Wow. That's awesome and super powerful. Like, I love the thing that you said about it being a muscle that you can strengthen, that you can teach the good to overcome the bad. I mean, that's what the gospel is all about, too. And then also the the prayer that you can say and throwing that away. So many good steps. Thank you for walking us through those. Um, I hope any mom that's listening right now is challenged and also encouraged by that, that she can find some freedom in that. Because I know it's hard not to worry when you're raising kids and the world is sinful and it's a lot of chaos in a lot of ways. But things that you and I really can't control, but we get to see goodness and light by following Jesus and raising our kids to follow him. And that is a good thought to overcome like all the chaos and the sin and the negative in the world and realizing there's more to life than this earth, right? There's there's life with Jesus. And I want my kids to know that, you know, personally, I want them to know that. I have one that does and I have one that doesn't yet. So, and I worry about that, you know? And so we, we just worry a lot as moms. So this is really good stuff. But Rachel, this is kind of my last question and we'll kind of get this thing wrapped up. But what challenges or words of encouragement would you have to leave a mom with that's listening right now? I have a couple that every mom or every time I get to speak at an event, I always want to ask these questions is I always want to say, it's one of my favorites, but what good comes from you believing that you're a bad mom? What good? 
how in the world does that actually motivate you to be better? What if you just believed that you're a pretty good mom and that you're working on it? And that the way that we are good mamas is we decide to try. We decide to keep going. A good mom perseveres, okay? So she keeps swimming, just keeps swimming. And we want to keep going. I am every day working on becoming more and more like Jesus and more and more of a good mom. And I do think I'm a better mom today than I was even a year ago because I am growing closer to the Lord. And that's how we find this, friends. There are no ways to be a perfect mom and literally millions of ways to be a pretty darn good one. So how about we simplify motherhood to three steps, three very simple steps. And don't worry, they're not long, is I want you today to feed your baby or feed your children, feed yourself and say a prayer. Bonus points if you pray for your baby too. So if we simplify it of that's our goal is to feed them, feed ourselves. So take care of them, take care of yourself. And then bonus points, lots of prayer, even if it's just, hey God, or I know Lisa Turkhurst was just sharing with me that her favorite one when her kids were little was Jesus, 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 because that's all she had to say. And that was so powerful to me. It's just the name of Jesus, because that's all she had. I mean, being a mom of so many kids, that's all she had. And so if we simplify it down to nothing good comes from believing I'm a bad mom. So how about I believe I'm doing a pretty good job and that I'm going to keep swimming. And the second one of just these are the three steps, three goals that I have today as a mom. And then I can say no thank you to what the world has to say about being a good mom, because you guys, it is mostly garbage. It's mostly garbage. Amen. The word of God's pretty clear and how we're supposed to be good moms. It doesn't talk a ton about motherhood in particular. Uh, I have come to every line and every verse, obviously, to, to incorporate biblical perspectives into my book, as well as the psychology. And it's so valuable for both. But obviously, the word of God here is supreme. But with that, God is pretty clear about how we're supposed to love one another. And that's the goal is to love our children the best we can, raise them up, and then they'll know the way to go. And, and that's all we've got. It's not Pinteresty birthday parties. It's not uh, getting back to your pre-pregnancy weight. God bless you if you're if that's like your goal in life, but we got to work on that. It's not, um, you know, ha- having your life look a certain way or, you know, taking certain number of vacations and having the pictures to prove it. It's really not. It's really about just taking care of yourself and taking care of that baby and making sure you keep that line of communication open with the great and mighty God of the universe that has control over everything that you are crying about today. Wow. That <laughs> that is a way to leave it. I love that. That's amazing. I'm pretty, I get pretty fired up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do, but I like it. It's really great. So I don't feel like I have anything that I could possibly add that would be better <laughs> than that. With that, I just want to say thank you for joining me today, Rachel. Um, You've given us so much helpful advice, a lot of encouragement. I hope that moms walk away with that today. And I know that they will. I know that I have. So if you have been impacted today and you would like to further know how to get in touch with Rachel or purchase her book for yourself, maybe you could benefit from this, some of the things that we've been talking about today. And there's a lot more, y'all. This was just one chapter. Also, if you have a friend walking through postpartum, we mentioned that as well. But this can be for any mom, like she said. But her website and contact info is all going to be in the show notes. 
and also have a Bible study in there from my hosting ministry, Love Worth Finding, called Mastering Your Emotions. That's a great way to have your daily quiet time. It's a really good resource. It's also in there. But I think you have a free download, and I want you to talk about that really quickly, Rachel, and anything else you didn't say about your book, but all of those links will be in the show notes. What's that free download that you have for us today? I have one and, you know, full disclosure. So when people talk about self-care, usually I just kind of like roll my eyes because I'm like, I work with moms that come to session with spit up on their shirts. Like they're not in a place to like get a massage, you know? And so what I have is a 21 day self-care challenge. I actually just redid this challenge myself. And it's a beautiful just checklist of three minute self-care. And so you have 21 items of three minute things that are either free or cost less than two or three dollars. Because I know when I had my babies, we didn't have, I mean, we had hardly any money left over in the budget. So like going to yoga or whatever it might be, that just was not, that was not in our life during that season. And so, and that's great. If you can go to CrossFit or whatever, that's wonderful. But it's a 21 day self-care challenge that also just brings in the word of God and being able to say, here's how I can incorporate little moments of three minute self-care. Because again, those little three minute moments with God, they matter like a lot. And giving God three minutes here and there, five minutes here and there, if that's all you've got, I think that that matters to him a lot too. Yeah, absolutely. So y'all need to go check that out. It's in the show notes, easy clickable links um, that you can find. Go find her, go find her website, her book. But thank you so much for joining me, Rachel. And thank you for listening today. Please be sure to share this episode with a mom friend that needs this today. And Rachel and Myself at Faithful31Moms would love if you would go follow us on Instagram um, so that you can know all the latest. And if you have been blessed by this Love Worth Finding ministry, this podcast, and you would like to donate, there's also a link for that in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. And remember to keep up the good work of pointing your kids to Jesus. 